new dean, new testing policy, new essay question. Let's get the latest on Mission Conross's MBA program and application from its Senior Associate Director of Admissions, Taya Sapp. Welcome to Admission Straight Talk, the podcast dedicated to graduate admissions and helping you approach the application process thoughtfully and successfully. Your host is Acceptance founder and world-renowned admissions guru, Linda Abraham. At Accepted, our mission is to get you to that unforgettable moment when you read your acceptance email and shout, yes, I'm in, confident you'll be attending the perfect program to help you launch the career of your dreams. Welcome to the 479th episode of Mission Straight Talk. Thanks for listening. Now, you've seen the stats that most people have a great return on their MBA investment, but what about you? Are you going to see that return? And how much will it be? We've created a tool that will help you assess whether the MBA is likely to be a good investment for you individually. Just go to accepted.com slash MBA ROI calc. That's just what it sounds like. MBA ROI CALC. Complete the brief questionnaire and you not only get an assessment, but the opportunity to calculate different scenarios. And it's all free. Again, use the calculator at accepted.com slash MBA ROI calc to obtain your complimentary assessment. It gives me great pleasure to have on Admissions Straight Talk for the first time, Taya Sapp, Senior Associate Director of Admissions at Michigan Ross School of Business. Taya practically bleeds Michigan blue. She graduated from the University of Michigan with a bachelor's degree in American culture in 2003, worked as admissions counselor at another college for several years, and then returned to Michigan. She joined admissions staff at Michigan Ross in 2011, rose through the ranks, and today is the Senior Associate Director of Admissions. Taya, welcome to Admission Straight Talk. It's a pleasure to have you on the show. Hi, Linda. Thanks. Glad to be here. Great. Now, I'd like to start with some general questions about Ross and then focus a little bit more on admissions and the application. Okay? Sure. Okay. Could you start with a basic overview of Ross's full-time MBA program for listeners who may not be that familiar with it, focusing on its more distinctive elements? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I think the one thing that we are really known for is learning by doing. And so I always like to tell people, if you learn best by doing, there's no better place to be than Michigan Ross. So I can give a couple examples of that. The cornerstone is MAP. It stands for Multidisciplinary Action Projects. It's a seven-week consulting project that every single student does at the end of their first year at Ross. So this past year, we had projects with Blue Origin or a social responsibility project with Amazon. We had uh, nonprofits that students were working with, uh, analyzing data sets to help design fundraising campaigns, so a pretty big variety in the projects. It's a huge differentiator for us because students spend a full seven weeks doing it, you know, and then get to do their internships. So a lot of times people think of it as the almost like two internships, and right. it's also a great opportunity for travel. Um, we did start sending people internationally again this year, so okay. the nice thing is the sponsor covers all travel expenses, so it's a really great way to do that. That is great. It's quite an opportunity. So you could have an internship. You could have the, the map project in one location, the internship in another location. Mm -hmm. That's great. Now, there's a lot new at Ross. There's a new dean, a new short essay question, which we'll get to a little later. Can you tell us a little more about what's new and uh, breaking news at, at the Ross MBA program? Yeah, I mean, the new dean is starting August 1st, so we are really excited to have her uh, come to Ross and see her vision and uh, be a part of the 
you know, leading our new community here. Mm-hmm. But I think a few other things I'm excited about. We started uh, something called the Business Plus Tech Initiative this past year, and that's kind of a hub for everything tech. So they launched a Tech Literacy Week, and that's going to be expanded uh, beyond that. But it basically it has a bunch of workshops to help people orient themselves to different areas of tech. So everything from how uh, a lack of diversity can impact artificial intelligence to boot camps on machine learning and different programs like uh, Python and blockchain. So a lot of different sessions on that. They have a tech innovation jam. So really helping prepare students for not just the recruiting aspect, but the, the actual knowledge in tech. So we have seven different student investment funds at Ross and the newest one just started this year. It's called the Michigan Clean Venture and it's focused on clean tech investments. So I think that's really exciting that, you know, we, our students saw a need for that to be saying, look, we want to be making investments specifically in clean tech and uh, we're able to launch that this past year. So I'm really excited to see both of those be growing. Right, right. That's fantastic. And is there anything that people, well, obviously those, the new things are, are things that, um, uh, people don't know about Ross necessarily because they, they may yeah. not be up on the news, but is there anything like that you think people generally don't realize about Ross that you'd like them to know or any myths you want to dispel? I think the biggest one is uh, people have an association that when you go to a business school, you're more likely to end up there post MBA. Like that's mm-hmm. where you get your job. And I know that is true for some business schools, but with Ross, that's really, really not the case. We have three quarter of Three quarters of our students going to the East Coast, the West Coast, or Chicago, and the East Coast and West Coast alone are about 30%. So it's large portions of our students that are really going, we like to use the phrase, go blue, go anywhere. (laughs) Okay. Now let's turn to the application. Ross was asking applicants who did not want to take a test to request a test waiver in the past. Mm -hmm. Now Ross is requiring either the GMAT, the GRE, the MCAT, the LSAT, or a statement of academic readiness. Now, mm-hmm. I don't see the EA in, in there. Is that an omission on my part, or is it that the EA is not accepted? That is true. We don't accept the EA. Okay. So it's the GMAT, the GRE, the MCAT, or the LSAT, or mm-hmm. a statement of academic readiness. Yes. I know what the tests are. What is a statement of academic readiness? Yes. Most people are familiar with the test. The statement of academic readiness is new for us. So um, we have, like you said, we have done a test waiver the past two years, which was a separate application. And we decided to streamline it into, build it into the admissions application this year uh, so that we can basically review everything uh, that you're submitting with your application to understand, you know, if you're ready for the academic rigor at Ross. So um, we'll look at transcripts, we'll look at your resume, we'll look at recommendation, all those things as a factor for understanding, you know, if you're going to be, if we think you're likely to be successful in the classes. And the statement itself is basically a narrative around what those things are, what you have in your application that are demonstrating you have those strong quantitative skills. And you also have the opportunity to upload a professional license or share anything that might not be in your application that would demonstrate that. And is the focus mostly on on the quantitative skills or is there anything about verbal writing communications? Because obviously the, I, I realize the quantitative is usually the more challenging, but obviously there is a verbal component to both the GRE and the GMAT, not to mm-hmm. mention the LSAT or the MCAT. The focus is mostly on quantitative skills. Um, we are going to, I mean, like in the interviews and in the essays, we are still assessing, obviously communication skills are important to yeah. us, um, but we have other ways that we're going to be assessing those as well. Okay. 
Now, Ross's class profile for the class of 2023 has some pretty impressive statistics, right? 722 average GMAT, 3.53 average GPA. And the stats, I'm not going to quote all of them, also reflected a lot of diversity in the class. What do you look for besides stats as you are evaluating an application? I mean, it all boils down to people, like I said earlier, we have this environment of learning by doing, and we want to find people who are going to thrive in that environment and um, have different qualities that, you know, they're probably comfortable with uh, ambiguity and adaptable. And those are all things that are important when you're in these environments of learning by doing. It's not just those. I should also say, like, it's not just one or two traits we're looking for. We want diversity in the class. We want to know that everybody's kind of bringing their own unique qualities and know, I guess the other side is like, know who they are at obviously 10 a.m. when they're working, but 10 p.m. too. Uh, know who they're going to be in the community and how they're going to be involved. Okay. And how do people present that? The, I, the most common way is in the essays. So our essays are written to kind of dive into some of those traits. Uh, you know, we ask things like, I was challenged when, I was humbled when, I want people to know that. And that's that's where we get to know who they are and what they care about, what their passions are, when they've taken risks, what the, and you know, how they built that resilience. And it's not, everybody has to demonstrate that exact same trait, but I think understanding those things that are important to them or that really stand out for them in particular uh, help us. I think actually what they choose to write about is also revealing. Yes. <laughs> not only what they say, but what they, what the, the topic. Yeah. Now, as we, we you touched on the essays a minute ago, what are the essay requirements at Ross for this cycle? I believe there was uh, some change in the required essays, not the, not the optional one. Yeah. So we did, um, we kept some things the same and changed a few things. So we have a couple short answer sections. So the first kind of set is you get those things I was just going over. You get to choose between a couple of prompts to say I was, um, you get to write two essays. So the first one, let me see, it's, I want people to know that I, I went, I made a difference when I, I was aware that I was different when, and then the second one is I was out of my comfort zone when I was humbled when, and I was challenged when. So they get to pick uh, one question from each of those. Uh, and that's the same as it was last year. We love those essays. We really do think they help us understand the traits that stand out about them and, and how that kind of aligns with some of the, the values that we have at Ross. The new one this year is we're asking people to tell us one thing about their resume. So it's a variety of things uh, that people can choose from. And we just wanted to, to give people a chance to dive a little bit deeper into, into something on their resume. The resume is really important to us. Uh, it's something we spend a lot of time in the admissions review. And so sometimes there's another, a, more of a story that you want to tell beyond what you can fill in in a bullet point. I would say like a lot of, I, I quite often I've read a recommendation, the kind of reference, like it, it tells me a whole story about something I saw in the, on the resume. And I, I, I would have liked to heard that from the candidate too, but they, I just recognized they didn't have enough space or a place to put that. Right. And right. I think that we're, we're really excited to see it's brand new. So we're excited to see what kinds of things people choose to write about this year. I know a lot of times people, you know, I think, look, a, a good bullet point will say, you know, I did X and accomplished Y, mm -hmm. but there's no, there's, and that's important. That's not a bad bullet point in a resume. But there's not really room to reflect, let's say, on some of the teamwork challenges or or any of that right. stuff. That would right. be perfect all for that. Kinds essay. Of things you might have overcome to get to that. I did, <laughs> I got why. Right. You know, I right. think that's 
it's also, I mean, like there, it doesn't have to be professional. People might've been, you know, on a sports team in college and, you know, there's more that they want to tell us about that or in, have been involved in a nonprofit. And maybe it's because of a personal reason why they, why they got involved in that nonprofit. And so there's a lot of ways that people can answer that. And, and like I said, I'm really excited to see how it goes this right. way. Of course, if it's, if it's a personal achievement, it might not be on the resume, right? Yeah. I mean, sometimes people put it at the bottom, a couple of things like their extracurriculars. Right, right, right. That's true. That's true. I guess and I should then, say we also have the career goal essay. Yeah. Uh, I was just going to ask about that. Cause I think you split that in two, right? Yeah. Um, so it's, it's basically the same as it was before, right. but we just split it up uh, this year just to, um, you know, we really focus on the short-term career goal in particular. We don't ask about long-term. And I mean, mm -hmm. honestly, right now we're already preparing people for recruiting and just know that recruiting happens really fast. And so we know people change their minds. They do that all the time, but uh, splitting out exactly what your career goal is just helps people focus. Uh, some of those essays, it was getting lost in the essay for some people and just want to give it, people a chance to like pull it out and say, this is exactly what it is. And then this is the, the why. Okay. And that why is probably as important as the what. If not uh, more yes, important. I would say it's yeah. more important. Right. Okay. All right. One of the interesting things about the Ross application is that you don't ask anywhere, about, as I recall, why Ross? Mm -hmm. Now, uh, do you care about why Ross or do, or do you just evaluate the suitability of the Ross program given the person's background and goals? Yeah, I mean, we care. We care about that, but it's not, we did a long time. I mean, while I still worked here, we did ask why Ross in the essays. We ended up taking it out. It just felt like people were copy and pasting from the website. It just, it, it didn't come across as authentic and it like, we care most about what your goals are at this stage. And then in the interview, we're going to ask more about the, the why Ross, how do you want to be involved? You know, have you talked to any of our students? What kinds of clubs are you interested in? And give people a chance to do that in the interview when you can be a little bit more authentic about it. Okay. Sounds good. And now a word from Admission Straight Talk sponsor. Applying for MBA programs is difficult enough. Keeping your resumes, application materials, and letters of recommendation organized should be the easy part. Join the 1 million plus scholars who use Interfolio to store these documents, request letters of recommendation, and apply for academic opportunities. Check it out today and enjoy 10% off with the code ACCEPTED22 at interfolio.com backslash accepted. Again, that's interfolio.com slash accepted and use the code ACCEPTED22 for 10% off. And now back to this week's interview. Now, what happens to applications after the applicant hits submit? Yeah, I mean, the main thing that we we start with is that figuring out if you're ready academically. Like what does that what does that look like? Cuz that's easy to tell from everything that you everything that you're submitting on paper before we have the interview. So, yeah. that's the first step is we're looking at that and saying, "Okay, do we think that they have what it takes to be successful in the classes here?" Obviously, there's a a lot of people that <laughs> That have, that have that and might not get the interview invitation too. And so we're looking beyond that. We do, we read, you know, we read all the applications and just do an initial review of, you know, in addition to academics, their professional background seems to uh, to be competitive and that like, like it looks impressive or there's something really interesting about this person and I want to know more because that's, that's basically what the interview invitations are. Like, do we want to, do we want to know more? And, and how, how many, many people, how yeah. many people review the application? 
we have our team that is full-time staff, and then we have some part-time application readers too. So I'd say it's all together, probably, probably 20, probably 20 over, maybe a little over 20 different people. But I mean, is each application reviewed twice or three times? Oh. Yeah. So before the interview, we do it twice just to do that. And then once the interview happens, we do another full read uh, and then talk about it in committee. All right. And if the, the, if the two agree, either interview or, or deny, that's easy. But what if you have a split between the two reads and a third person reads it? Yeah. We I mean, we, we talk about it as a team usually. All right. Okay. Okay. What can I mean, the other thing is just look at them relative to what does our whole pool look like? Right, uh, right, right. Yeah, that makes a lot of sense. What can applicants expect for, if they're lucky enough to interview? Are you interviewing now on campus, in person, virtual? What's that's all in flux? <laughs> yeah, so our we are doing all of our interviews virtually uh, and all will be with alumni. We decided it was just the best way to keep things equitable. Um, and so we're going to stick with that this year. I guess the other thing to keep in mind is these aren't like gotcha interviews where we're genuinely trying to get to know you and your background better. Uh, so asking about your professional experience. And this is where we ask the why, Ross. <laughs> so people can always expect to, to, to be asked why, Ross, why an MBA, why an MBA now? You know, you've, you've been doing this now about 11 years at Ross. You've reviewed, I don't know, how many thousands of applications at this point. <laughs> What's a common mistake or mistakes that you see applicants make in, the, in this process? Yeah, I think, honestly, one of them is kind of overlooking the importance of the resume. Um, I, I really, we really do spend, that's the first thing I look at when I open an application. And uh, it's the snapshot of your whole professional career. And so I think it's really important. And I've seen a lot of people kind of just assume I already have that done. I don't need to worry about that. Let me focus on the essays. And I think it's important to think like this should not be the same resume that you might've just applied for your current job with and what that looks like, because it might include a lot of technical jargon that is only appropriate for your particular career path. It might not have as much, I mean, hopefully it has impact but I think earlier in our careers, we're more often thinking about what our responsibilities are and need to be shifting into the impact. And so I think I do see a lot of resumes that people just, it doesn't seem like people have stopped and like really spent time on thinking about how they want to be representing their professional career uh, mm -hmm. and what that looks like. So that's, that's what I, that's what I think. Yeah. I, I frequently say, obviously it's now July, this will, this will air in August, but I frequently tell applicants who want to start early, get your resume done. Yeah. You know, and focus on your accomplishments, not your responsibilities, you know, that, mm -hmm. that kind of stuff. So that's, that's a great, great input, I think. Mm -hmm. Now, we asked listeners recently what they would ask admissions director if they could. We had a wonderful response, and here are a couple of their questions. What surprises Michigan Ross MBA students the most when they actually start at Michigan Ross? Yeah, that is an interesting question. I think it's a lot of people, it's ironic because a lot of people choose to come to Ross because of the community, but I can't tell you how many students say, you know, I heard, I heard it was great, but once I got here, I really experienced it and it was even better than I thought. And so people really do share interview questions and, and help people out, even though you're recruiting for the same jobs, but there's also just, I think this 
we do a lot as a school to help facilitate building community too. So we have events like Food, Friends, and Culture, where each month there's uh, a different kind of cultural club, or you know, it might be like our Brazilian students or our Korean students that hold an event that talks about where it's, there's a couple speakers that are talking about something related to their culture or how they grew up, and then do food, and we get to eat native uh, native food. And I think there's events like that. There's um, a lot of things that are just facilitated to say there's an event called look who's coming to dinner where you sign up you have no idea who else is going to be at your dinner and you just get to meet other people uh, within your section and I think the other thing is just being in Ann Arbor most people move here and don't know anybody else in Ann Arbor <laughs> you know where in other larger cities a lot of times you have friends that might be there and so here you're really getting to know your classmates and and building a strong network and so I think that community is something that it's funny because that's why people choose Ross but I think that's a lot of times what students are surprised by is actually that it it comes through and it's <laughs> it's not just uh all talk that people are sharing better than I thought it would be okay yeah. the next the next listener question is what advice do you have for applicants who applied in the 2021-2022 application cycle, but who were denied and want to reapply to Michigan Ross this year? Yeah, I just did a webinar on this a couple of weeks ago. So this is top of mind for me. You know, we do, we admit people re-applicants re every year. So quite honestly, a lot of times it's more of a function of the pool uh, than the individual applicant. And so I think it's, sometimes more of an us problem than a, than, a, than a, the applicant's issue, which is doesn't, doesn't always feel good that that's the case. But I think it's also just thinking about, you know, like the, the other thing I would say when I'm, if I'm actually giving advice to a reapplicant is really spending time on and reflecting on how you could strengthen your application or what you could do differently, because that opportunity to demonstrate that you have self-awareness most applicants don't get to do that so easily. And that's something we really value is that self-awareness and recognizing what you can do to improve or to strengthen your application. I think that's that's really, when I get to see that and somebody really nails it, I think that's that's really an incredible trait to be showing. Oh yeah, for sure. Now let's, let's say somebody is planning to apply, not this cycle, but the 2023 cycle, in other words, a year from now, next fall, next summer, whenever, mm -hmm. what advice would you give to someone thinking ahead, really thinking ahead? Yeah. I mean, I like your advice about the resume. Okay. <laughs> that's, that's start, start early on that. Okay. <laughs> um, but I would say, I, I think the other things are just to like, really take time to think about why they want to do this, you know, what, what they like and what they don't like, uh, maybe start to look up some people like think about different careers they might want to do and look people up on LinkedIn to see what their paths look like. You know, the, uh, I, the one thing I would say is like, don't focus so much on the application process. Think about what types of stretch projects you can do at work, how you can be improving your resume, the things that are going to take a longer time to, to do, you know, what types of projects can you take on at work? What does this look like that are going to be, might turn into a bullet point for your resume? I think if you are planning this, that early, you have time to do that and think about taking on some things that are really going to challenge you that you might be able to write about in an essay or put on, make as a, a bullet point. That's great advice. Thank you. And there's one question I forgot to ask earlier, and I'm going to circle back to it. And that is, whom would you recommend write the statement of academic readiness 
And whom would you say take test? Yeah, I think so with the statement of academic readiness, I would say if you do not have strong quantitative skills or a strong way to demonstrate that, you should definitely take the test because that's how you can demonstrate it if you have that, if you don't have that in your background. If you think you can do well on a test, take a test, you know, and you and you have access to do a test, like it's hard to do, it's hard to do well on a test. And that's a way to stand out in your application. I mean, there's a lot of ways, but having a great test score is one way to stand out. And so if you think you can do well and uh, take it, then by all means do that. But if for some reason you have barriers and you're not able to take the test for any, any number of reasons, and you do, maybe you have an engineering background along with a CPA, or you have, you know, you have these things that are like, you have your own personal reasons why you're not able to take a test. And you have these things that are pretty strong examples that you do well in, in the accounting and finance and all the, the quantitative courses and at Ross, then go ahead and do the statement of academic readiness. We, you know, we're, that's, we had some, with the test waiver, we admitted some, some really great candidates and, you know, we're looking forward to be able to, to do that, continue, or continuing to do that going forward. And the candidates that you admitted with a test waiver, you know, either two years ago or this past site, well, this past cycle, you wouldn't know, but from two years ago, are they doing okay academically? Yeah, academically. I mean, we've, you know, we've obviously been been tracking that because yeah. we want to make sure we're sending people to be up successful. They've done well academically. And this summer, we have people doing internships at all the MBB uh, consulting companies. We have people at invest, a few different people at investment banking roles uh, at the big banks. So they've been able to be successful in both recruiting and in classes, but that's because they demonstrate they do have <laughs> quantitative skills. It's not right. that you know, we wouldn't award we wouldn't award the test waiver if we didn't see that evidence. Great, wonderful answer. Thank you very much. Anything mm -hmm. you would have liked me to ask you that I haven't asked? Anything you want to say about Michigan Ross or the admissions process at this point? I mean, I think I I really just emphasize like this is we just did our thirtieth year of MAP, um, and so it's something that has been around a long time. Yeah. And it's truly incredible. Like when I ask alums what, you know, what they love about Ross, it's something like it's the community and it's map. Like really? it's a reason a lot of people come to Ross and it's something that really stands out. So I just, I just really emphasize like how, how incredible of an experience it is. And it is a big differentiator for us. So the other thing is uh, make sure you know, I'd encourage all of your listeners to be asked, talking to student ambassadors. We have over 300 student ambassadors on our website and alums. And the great thing about MAP is since it's required, every single person can tell you about their own MAP experience. That's true. That's true. Great advice. Taya, thank you so much for joining me today. Where can listeners and potential applicants learn more about the Michigan Ross full-time MBA program? You can go to our website, michiganross.umich.edu. Great. Thank you. We're going to include links in the show notes at exhibit.com slash 479 to michiganross.umich.edu, as well as to related articles and interviews. They're all linked to from exhibit.com slash 479. Quick reminder, don't miss the MBA ROI calculator. Find out how much your MBA investment could benefit you financially. Take the quiz at exhibit.com slash MBA ROI calc.
Listener, thank you too for joining Taya Sapp and me for our 479th episode. If you find the show worthwhile, please subscribe. Make sure you don't miss any future shows, be they with admissions directors, professors, current students, test prep pros, or alumni doing great things. You'll find subscribe links at exhibit.com slash 479 or lovethepodcast.com slash AST. Thanks again for coming. This is Admission Straight Talk produced by Accepted, and I'm your host, Linda Abraham. I'll talk to you again next week. <laughs>